It is good to be back. It's been quite a while. Lorna, when was the last time I was here? Before the flood, was it? <laughs> it is good to be back. And look, let me take this opportunity. I know I might have done it while I was with Team Hope. I'm, I've retired from Team Hope in 2018. But let me take this opportunity of thanking you as a church for everything that you did in all the years I was there, which was from 1998, 1999, 2000, up to 2018, for all the shoe boxes that you, the work you put into as a church, the the packing, the collecting, the driving, the sorting, the checking, the, the loading, all of that. And all the kids in so many countries who have been blessed because of what you did. Let me say just a huge big thank you. I know you're still doing it, so, but I'm not. So, <laughs> thank you very much. Lorna, particularly thank you for all that you've done over the years. And you took the responsibility for running Wexford. You did a fantastic job and are still doing a fantastic job, I think. Um, so thank you very much for everything you did and made possible. You did a great job, so thank you. It's good to be back. I'm wearing a different hat this morning, though. Uh, I'm wearing a hat for uh, Church in Chains, um, which, for those of you who don't know what Church in Chains is, it's an organisation, an Irish-based organisation, that looks at the persecuted church and, seems, and tries to help people who are being persecuted for their faith around the world. So that's what I'm going to be talking a bit about this morning. Uh, and it's interesting, you know, once you talk about persecution, I don't know what it's like in Wexford, but in Dublin where I am, a lot of pastors, church leaders are talking about, oh, we're experiencing persecution. Have you noticed how things are shifting in the country? And they are. You know, 10, 15 years ago, uh, the ethos of this country was Christian uh, and the values were Christian. Now, if you espouse Christian values, you're sort of, well, you're backwards or you're conservative or you're there's something, you know, you're not with progressive Ireland. Um, and I don't know whether you've noticed as well, but the people who, many of them, not all of them, many of the people who 15 years ago were talking about uh, tolerance, how we need to be tolerant and we need to learn to be tolerant. And in other words, include me because I'm different. You know, it's what they were saying at the time. And different to the Christian values. We need to be tolerant of one another. And there's, there's truth in that. We do need to be tolerant of one another. But some of those same people, 15 years later, are now the ones who are intolerant completely against Christian values. And so is there persecution? No, I don't think there's persecution in Ireland. But I do think there's discrimination. And uh, that's not surprising. And, you know, we're, we're not part of the, the modern Ireland, sometimes we're accused of as, as Christians. And sometimes, you know, because we're Christian and, and we do things a certain way, we're discriminated against. Um, now, I'm not making a big issue of that. It's just a fact and will be a growing fact. You know, so, someone once said this, um, you know, if you try and be, the, the, you know, in the church and you try and be in the world at the same time, you know, the way it's put is having a foot in two camps. If you do that, you know, the way, so this illustration that God gave to me many years ago was, if you've got a foot in the world, and you've got a foot in the camp, and try and, in the, in the church, and try and please both, as the, as the world and the church grow further apart, it gets an increasingly uncomfortable place to be. And that will be the truth for those of us who try and do that. So, it's not surprising 
this is this discrimination. It's not surprising there were, that as Christians we're painted as people who don't understand the world today. You know, we're living in the past and, you know, so, but that's the way it is. But persecution, no, I, I don't think we've got persecution here. Because persecution to me is something completely different. Discrimination is something which is not right either, but persecution is not right. And let me just tell you what persecution is, if I can work the gadget. Uh, no, I go back to the, the, the. Didn't realize the first slide was there. Um, yeah, that, let me just talk about that. This is persecution. In the last year, now this slide I, I actually made a couple of months ago, so it's it's a, it's a month or two outdated. But in the last year, four thousand seven hundred sixty-one Christians were killed. I mean, documented as known as being killed purely for their faith around the world. My comment is that's 13 of our brothers, our sisters, our family, every single day. 4,488 churches or Christian buildings were attacked. That's today, as we sit here, another 12 will be attacked. 4,277 Christians were unjustly arrested, detained or imprisoned. So every day... People around the world are being held, kidnapped, disappeared or whatever because of their faith. And 1,710 Christians were abducted for faith-related reasons. Now, they're statistics and they go, I know, they go over there somewhere. But just to give you an idea, that's persecution. And that's happening today. As we sit here in Enniscorthy and, you know, praise God we can meet. Praise God that, you know, there isn't guards at the door stopping us. Or there, there isn't, you know, police out there saying, you know, what are you doing? Where, what, you know, and that happens. But it doesn't happen to us. So we're just grateful for that. But as we are here and comfortable and organised and enjoying life, there are people today and that's what's happening to them. And they're the ones I want to talk about. They're the countries, the red countries are the countries which is the worst for persecution. And the orange countries are they're severe, but they're not as bad as the worst. So, what do you think? Let, I'm about to show you a slide. Let's see, it, see if we, if we, how we do in this one. If I was to ask you, what do you think are the top one or two countries in the world for persecution? Where would you say? Throw an answer out at me. And look, if it's wrong, it's wrong. It doesn't matter. If it's right, great. North Korea. North Korea. Who said North Korea? You're right. Yeah. North Korea actually was, up to this last year, the worst by far. But another country has overtaken it in the last year. China, China. No. Uh, Ch- China is not actually in, even in the top ten statistically. Um, and I was talking about this recently in our church uh, and um, a Chinese girl came to me and said, is China not there? And said, no, I mean, statistically it's not. Um, Nigeria, who said Nigeria? Nigeria is in the top ten. It's, it's not in the first two. Uh, and again, there's, a, there's a, uh, a lady in our church from Nigeria, and I was talking to her about it, and it is severe, it, it's horrible, uh, it's very, um, it's vi- vicious is probably a good word to describe Nigeria, um, because you, you don't just, um, uh, you know, do relatively not too difficult things with, you know, with, with Christians, but you get abducted, you get killed, uh, you get tortured, you get murdered horribly. Uh, and Nigeria is, yeah. Um, anyone, anyone like to tell me what the, the number one country is? You, what? Afghanistan. Afghanistan is, yes. This year, since the Taliban came back, 
Afghanistan has gone to the number one place. There's the te- top ten uh, in the, for, tw- for 2022 as um, published by Open Doors, which is a great uh, UK-based organisation looking at the persecuted church. And most of the countries you mentioned, if not all of them, are there. Um, but Afghanistan is on the top. North Korea is number two. Uh, and then you've got countries... A lot of them are in Africa, northern Africa. There's a, there's a belt across North Africa called the Sahel, which is just south of the Sahara. Um, and I know, I have a couple of friends who live there or who are Christians who are working there. Uh, countries going across like Burkina Faso, Cameroon, Niger, right across to Chad, uh, geography, um, Central African Republic, Eritrea, Somalia, across that level where uh, Islamic North Africa meets Christian Southern Africa. And it's aggressive. There's persecution in all of those countries and they're really dangerous countries. One of the reasons that Nigeria was mentioned a couple of times this morning is because of what happened this time, half past 11, last Sunday morning. You know, when you were sitting here, while we were... Interesting... Last Sunday, um, the pastor of our church, he called me about Friday and said, Niall, uh, we're, we're preaching in Revelation at the moment. And Revelation, a lot of Revelation is about the persecuted church. And would you mind just um, telling us something about the persecuted church and lead us in prayer as a church? Um, and he said, look, in the, what I'm going to do is in the middle of my preach, I'm going to call you up. I said, that's fine, glad to do that. So, we had some worship at half past, just coming up to half past 11, about 25 past 11, he called me up uh, a little bit early, but that was fine. So I talked about it. One of the things I said was, can you imagine if you're sitting here at church this morning, the door burst open and gunmen came in and started to fire randomly around this congregation. If that happened here, can you imagine that? I said, that happens. And I put up that list of churches I've just shown you. I said, now I want you to get into groups and we're going to pray for the, the church. You pick a country. So we got into sort of threes and fours. And I, I, we just prayed for about five minutes. Pick a country you want to pray for out of the ten in your, in your group, just for a minute or two. I picked Nigeria. I don't know why. When I put the ten up, I had no idea which one I was picking. But I picked Nigeria. So at the very moment that this was going on in Nigeria, literally the very moment, half past eleven, I was up. We were praying. Now, I don't know what that does to you, but it makes me think, well, you know, God knows. And God has us there for a reason. And prayer is important. So, okay, you know, some people say, well, why didn't your prayer stop what's happening? I can't answer that question. But I do know that it's it's not a coincidence that we were praying for the church in Nigeria. And I gave that as an example. And the very moment it happened. This man is the head of the Methodist Church in Nigeria. Um, I've forgotten his name. Uh, but he was kidnapped the week before, kidnapped about two weeks ago. Uh, and, you know, can you imagine if, if the, um, the head of the Catholic Church, being the largest church, was kidnapped in Ireland? It would be huge news and a huge issue. But this is what happened this guy in Nigeria. He was eventually released. They paid a ransom to release him of about 225,000 euro all over the news. So for individual people, for churches, for it, this, persecution is real. 
And you look at our world and you ask, well, what's going on? You know, what, what are the issues? And I want to say that persecution and violence against Christians is increasing. It's increasing in many countries, particularly Nigeria. Nigeria, percentage-wise, you know, people who are statisticians and measure these things, percentage-wise, the violence, the persecution in Nigeria has jumped, particularly in the middle belt of Nigeria, if you know anything about it. And I know people who are there and working there, and the whole villages, churches live in fear, because at any moment, the village can be raised, everyone killed. And typically what happens is what happened in that church last Sunday morning in Nigeria. When they went in with, with guns, then they dropped explosions, explosives in the church. So everyone, of course, ran out of the church. And as soon as they ran out of the church, they were waiting outside and just shot them all. That's the way it works. And they live in fear of the reality of that happening in Nigeria every day. So countries like that, countries which, uh, like Cameroon, where I'm involved, every day of the week, Last time I was in Kenya, I had an armed escort, an army guy with a full AK-47 type of rifle, suddenly got into the car beside me. I didn't know why, but we were going through an area. They, they didn't tell me, but they sort of had me out in this area, and then they said, okay, gun. this guy got in. And I said, what's going on here? And uh, he said, well, he, he's looking after us. Um, that never happened to me before in Kenya. Transnistria is a country which you might have heard of in the news recently. It's that little bit of Moldova that the Russians say we're trying to get around to because it's a little enclave between Ukraine and Moldova. And uh, they're trying to get around there to get a whole link around. That's what they said. Now, I'm not sure they've changed their strategy. But there, I preached the church there Oh, many years ago. And uh, it was quite a long time of worship. It was a Pentecostal church, you know, long time of worship. A very lively time of worship. It was good fun. And um, in the middle of the worship, the, the pastor, I was sitting beside the pastor on the platform, he leaned over and said, um, Niall, they're here this morning. I said, um, Who's here this morning? He said, um, the KGB. See those two guys down there? They're KGB. Just be careful what you say. Don't say anything which could be interpreted as being political. So, I didn't. Um, but it's interesting, that pastor is a friend of ours, and uh, as a church we've supported uh, with, um, with finance. He's working a lot with Ukrainian refugees in Transnistria. Um, and um, Team Hope are funding him as well, Yuri in, in Tiraspol. Uh, he, he's been interrogated, he's been taken out, taken into the police headquarters, held for hours, held overnight, interrogated, not just asked questions, interrogated about his faith and what he's doing. So that's real, it's happening. Uh, Armenia, um, a guy uh, I know there, pastor in, in the capital city of Yerevan, has his has life threatened, a gunman running into his office uh, with a gun trying to kill him. That's the sort of thing that people I know, countries I've been in, are living under every day of the week. So persecution and violence is rising. Interesting as well, one of the things that's happened in terms of discrimination and persecution, during COVID times, COVID was being used 
as for two years was being used as a weapon against Christians in some countries. In, in Arabic countries, in Islamic countries, uh, you know, the, the vaccines came in, the, the food that was needed came in, but only uh, if you were a Christian you weren't getting it. And that was discrimination. Authoritarian governments we're seeing right across the world are increasing surveillance, increasing their, their sort of oppression of the people. We see it in Russia today, what Putin is doing. He's increasing surveillance, he's a whole pile of stuff going on there. We see it in China. Um, we see it in North Korea, of where surveillance and dependence on other people to tell the authorities. In North Korea, for example, um, there's a, I don't know, I know it's a law, I don't know how you describe it, but, um, it, well, firstly, it's, it's illegal to be a Christian. And if you're found to be a Christian, then you, are, you disappear to a labour camp, a concentration camp, or whatever, um, just because you're a Christian. So, for very obvious reasons, it's very hard to know how many Christians are in North Korea. I don't know how people tell you. I mean, I've heard figures, but it's hard to know because people don't talk about being Christian. They can't. In North Korea, very often, you can't tell your husband, your wife, your kids, your family, your neighbours that you're a Christian because they are bound. Neighbours, if you live within two or three houses of someone you suspect to be a Christian, you are bound to tell the authorities you think that person's a Christian. And if you don't, you're complicit and you get the same treatment as the Christian gets. So there's a whole network of surveillance and spying going on. And the other thing that I would say in the last few years we've seen, particularly religious nationalism increases persecution. In countries like China is another good example of that. Turkey is a good example. Where where nationalism uh, on a religious base is increasing uh, and that's that's, in, that's causing more and more persecution. So it's, it's not a very optimistic picture I'm painting, but I want to paint the other side of the picture just for a minute. There is good news. In all of this that's going on, the church is there. God is there. The church is increasing. The church is growing. Churches are being planted. The church, is, the church worldwide is growing more than it ever has done numerically than in, in any other time in Christian history. Church, more churches have been planted this week than any ever before. So there's a lot going on. And I want to say that's why the church is persecuted. Because Satan sees the strength of the church, the growth of the church worldwide, and that's why they are persecuted. Something I've noticed is the greatest persecution is where the churches are growing the greatest. And the other side of it is, where there's little or no persecution, there's little or no growth of churches. Now, it's a a generalisation. It's not true everywhere, but it's true. So there's no persecution, really, in Western Europe, in in North America, and the churches aren't really growing that much in Western Europe or North America. The countries where there's persecution, in in the Arabic countries, there's a lot of church growth. We don't hear about it, but it's there. The people who are there will tell you. In Africa, a lot of church growth. So the countries where there is persecution is the greatest church growth. I think that's an interesting thing when we come and look at persecution. You see, when we look at persecution, 
I found it interesting. In Western countries, if something happens that we don't like, we pray and we pray that God will take it away. You know, if we're in the storms of life, we're in difficult situations, if our health is not good, if something happens to us, if we, you know, whatever it is that we deem to be negative, then we say, God, take it away. Or this is a satanic attack or something. You know, whatever. Our first reaction is, if it's health, uh, we pray that God will heal that person. Now, I'm all for that. I'm not being negative about it at all. But what I'm saying is our first reaction is, God, take away the difficulties, please. Because they're not helping me and I don't like them. It's an interesting definition of what's good and bad in Christianity. You know, we, we let ourselves define what's good and don't let God define what's good. God says all things work together. All things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And if we have something we don't like, well, that's bad. If we have something we do like, well, that's good. That's how we define it. So, that's the situation. You know, we we just ask God, take it away. So, if we were to get persecuted, what's our first reaction going to be? Oh God, you know, help us here to take away the persecution. And that's, that's natural, you know, I'm not being critical of that, but that is the way we do. But let's ask ourselves a question, just for a minute. What does the Bible actually say about persecution? Because the Bible says a lot about persecution in a lot of places. Uh, Jesus knew about persecution. You know, forsaken by his own father. You know, if you were forsaken by your father... I hope none of you ever have been, but if you ever were, it's a, it's a traumatic situation. Jesus went through that. So Jesus knew what persecution was. The apostles, the disciples, the church in the New Testament, full of persecution. Paul, I mean, the great apostle, being persecuted beyond belief. You know, apostles beheaded, killed, martyred, stoned, you know, crucified. It's all there. So what does the Bible say about persecution? That's, that's the question I'm going to ask. I want to give you a few Bible verses. And I, I'm going to build a picture here so that you, you see where I'm going. John 16, verse 33. In this world, this is a promise. We always get excited about Bible promises, don't we? In this world, you will have tribulation. Oh, but the other side of that is, be of good cheer. Is that how they translate? Yeah, be a good heart, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's a, in one sense, there's bad news for us as we see it, and there's good news. Everyone gets tribulation. So why shouldn't we get tribulation? I mean, what's special about us? But what, as Christians, what we have is a way through it. And the way through it is not a way out of it, but the way through it is the way through it with God. He has overcome the world. Be of good cheer. So that's the first thing I want to... When I was a young... When I became a Christian, I became a Christian through a Christian camping organisation in my teenage years. And um, the motto of the camping organisation was Philippians 3 verse 10. And it was written in all their stuff. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection... Great verse. That, that, that I may know the power, 
that allowed Jesus to be resurrected. I mean, what power is that? But what they never did was talk about the second half, which was, I might know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship or the participation (laughs) in his sufferings. You know, there's two things together. The power of his resurrection, the fellowship. I won't try the participation. Oh, I did. In his, uh, in his sufferings. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus, will be persecuted. So here's a question for us. If we're not living... A, I'm sorry, no. No, it's the other way around I want to ask it. If we're not being persecuted... Are we living a godly life? I'm not trying to put anyone down here. I'm just a, it's, a, it's a corollary I want to ask out of that verse. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. So don't be surprised if the church is persecuted. Don't be surprised in Ireland if persecution, strong persecution does come. Everyone who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted. In fact, Jesus says something more about people who are persecuted. He said, you're blessed. Those of you who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For yours is the kingdom of heaven. You're blessed when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. Rejoice, be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. If you're persecuted, you're blessed. This is a verse that I found recently and really challenged me. It's a humbling verse, talking about the, the disciples before the Sanhedrin and they were being inter- interrogated. They departed from the presence of the council of the Sanhedrin, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Not just that they suffered shame, but they were actually counted worthy by God to suffer shame. That's a different perspective. Just think about that one. How do we react to this? I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies, that's a hard one. But that's what the Bible says. So I want this morning, I I purposely put those verses up because I want you to be challenged in your thinking. You see, it's interesting. I was at a meeting not that long ago, where there was a North Korean Christian at the meeting. And he said this. He said, in North Korea, we expect to be persecuted. And we see it as an opportunity to show that God is real. We actually don't see it. This is what he said. We don't see it as persecution, but a privilege. Now, I don't know what that does to you, but that's humbling. That someone in the middle of one of the most severe countries for persecution and has personally known persecution can say it's a privilege. So when we look at persecution, do we look for it? Do we encourage it? Do we pray for it? No, we don't. (coughs) I'm not saying that at all. But when it does happen, don't be surprised. It's been promised And God has promised that he will see us through it. And God trusts us. So, 
I would say this morning, don't be surprised by difficulties. But let's learn to use the difficulties, whatever they are. Persecution could be one of them. Discrimination could be one of them. But the difficulties of life generally, let's use them to show to the people out there that God is real. Are we immune as Christians from bad health? Are we immune from sin? Are we... No, we're not. We live in a fallen world. But we have, given by God, the way to get through this. So, every time it's a choice. Do you, know, do you stay in the boat? Do you stay in the safe place? Or do you walk in the water and show that God is real? That's the choice. So, how do we respond to all this stuff going on around the world? Well, the first thing I'd say is be informed. And that's what this morning is about a little bit. There's other ways. I put it, there's a few things on the table down there. Let me just tell you as I think of them what they are. There's, I'm here for Church and Chains, which I'm going to mention in a minute in case I get given out if I don't. Um, church and Chains, a leaflet down there, just a few of all of these. Uh, leaflet, introducing Church and Chains, tell you what it's about, what we do, uh, and a few things like that. There's a very useful thing for those who are particularly interested. Every, every country in the world that there's persecution in this, is listed in this global guide and what it's like and some up-to-date information. Um, then there's just a few of these magazines, only literally off the press this week. It's the Church and Chains Quarterly magazine, uh, which gives some up-to-date information. This particular issue is on Iran. Um, and then also there's a, there's a sign-up form down below, which I'd encourage you. If, if I've challenged you this morning and you want to know more about the persecuted church, well then I would encourage you to sign up that form. Uh, and you can, you can either tick for one of two things. You know, they, uh, church and Change will either send you, once a quarter, will send you the, the, the up-to-date magazine with up-to-date news. Uh, if you tick that box, or you tick the other box, and you'll get an email every week with just the latest update this week of things that are happening around the world. If you're praying, it's a really great tool to use, just once a week. You can sign up for either of those. Sign up on the sheet on the board down below. So how, how do we respond? Well, be informed. Pray. Please pray for these people. Talking to many people around the world, particularly uh, um, with North Korean contacts, but they said, look, the first thing we want you as, you know, as a Western church to do for us, would you please pray? Don't forget us. We're thousands of kilometres away. We might look different. We might talk a different language. Whatever it is, just because we're different. You know, if, if it's, I remember one of them said to me, you know, if a persecuted person walked into your church here this morning, well then of course, you know, you'd have compassion, you'd pray, how can we help, how can we support, what can we do for you? And that's natural. But in a church where everyone is being persecuted, outside people need to pray and support. So pray for them. But I asked this guy, well, in the light of what you've said to me, how can we pray for you? And he said, well, don't pray for the persecution to be taken away. Which we would naturally do. Don't pray for it to be taken away. Pray for our leaders. Pray for our enemies. Pray for us. But the one thing we do want you to pray is that for us, that we will be faithful to God in all of this. That's some prayer. That's what you can pray. That's what, they're, that's what they're asking for. And I've heard that from six or seven countries around the world where I personally know people. They all say the same. 
pray that we will remain faithful. So, Church in Chains is an Irish voice for persecuted Christians around the world, many countries. This is what they do. They raise awareness, which is part of the reason I'm here this morning. They encourage prayer, which I've just done. And again, there's a monthly prayer meeting, which you can get involved in as well if you want. They advocate for justice. That's another thing you can do. If you're particularly interested in lobbying and advocacy, then... um, Ask them about that. Ask me about it. And you know, they they tend they they meet ambassadors. They write to ambassadors. They write to governments around the world, uh, and you can get involved in that part of uh, of the ministry. And finally, supporting victims. Um, here's a list just out of interest, just to give you some idea. This is the money that went, finance that went, just last year, uh, from Church and Chains to uh, to Christians in various places around the world who have been persecuted to Nigeria, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iran, and Eritrea. This, this is sort of the announcements now. Uh, in September, in 10th September, um, always September, but this year is the 10th, uh, Church and Chains, we hold an annual conference. Uh, last couple of years, it's been online because of COVID. This year, it's back face-to-face, but it's also online. If you want to go to Dublin, it's in St. Mark's Church on Pier Street, uh, or it will be online so if you just want to keep an ear open for that again if you sign up for anything you'll find out all about that uh, that's the speaker uh, he's an Iranian and he lives in London but he heads up uh, an organisation working with the persecuted church in Iran which is very much an underground church uh, and if you want you know, so there'll, there'll be a lot of spotlight in September on Iran uh, and then sign up for the, the weekly thing on the table last Bible verse I just want to read to you uh, is Romans 12 verse 14 it says this bless those who persecute you pray that God will bless them now that's a big ask you know it's praying for your enemies and that doesn't happen very often but look that's the challenge this morning let's look at let's be realistic about what's going on around the world. Let's look at what the Bible says about persecution and our response and how should we respond. And I take my cue firstly from, from the words of Scripture, which are very different than sometimes we would normally do. It. And also I take my cue from the people who are being persecuted when they say, please, this is how we want you to help us. So, look, thanks for being here this morning. Thanks for your interest. Thanks for staying awake. Uh, and... Uh, most of you, that is. No, you all did. You're all very good. Um, so thanks very much, and hope it won't be another 25 years, nor before the next time. And goodness knows who I'll be representing next time. I'm wearing my diff- different hat. So thanks a lot.